All right, the champ is here, loved by many, hated by a few, respected by all, with second to none. The best radio show from Como to the Congo. And if you're part of Fort Worth, Texas, you should know where the Congo's at. Uh, if you're from Fort Worth, Texas, and you're from the Garden of Eden, well, you well, you're not there because you've been paved away because hey that neighborhood doesn't exist anymore yeah. but we like to send a shout out gave you to change where we I, the normally the the, the the camera's here but it's it, why you hey but that's all right <laughs> but that's okay but that's okay that's okay because i want all of the people right here on youtube that are looking right at me now and all of the people that are looking at me at 10th street can you hear mm -hmm. me the bottoms can you hear me? Bonton, Idols uh, Community, can you hear me? Uptown, can you hear me? Wait a minute, wait, that's State and Thomas Street, eh? Mm -hmm. Short North Dallas, can you hear me? White Rock, I'm calling all of these communities. Little uh, Elm Thicket, Elm Thicket, can you hear me? You know, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about communities, Little Egypt communities that if you are in Dallas, Texas, some of you may not even know they even exist. Because they've been paved away, paved away. And today I have Dr. Colin Yarbrough. <laughs> I, I, you, almost. 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 ABD. Right? That's, that's in the uh, doctoral <laughs> world they call uh, all but dissertation. You know, yeah. for those people who are ADD, they don't know what ABD is <laughs> no, about. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you have to take all these courses and then do all this writing, which clearly you've done on paved away, uh, the infrastructure policy and racism in an American city. Now, I know that's doctoral work because when you have a title of a book and then you have all of that long stuff afterwards, then that counts as words to the dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you here, Glad man. to be here. Thank Glad you. To have Appreciate you here. it. I wanted to have you here on the show because uh, your book, Paved Away, uh, is a, uh, a book that should be read by everybody uh, in Dallas when it comes to examining what uh, Dallas is about and racism. I understand that uh, a lot of people, uh, I've read all these books, uh, The Accommodation mm -hmm. by Jim Schulte. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jim had asked me to write the sequel to it, and I said, man, that's too much. I can't do that. <laughs> and then White Metropolis uh -huh. by Michael Phillips. Yep. We've had Michael Phillips here on this show as well. And now we have you here on this show. Scraping the bottom Saturday, of the barrel. No, no. <laughs> no, what we're doing here is we're making sure everybody get educated. Yeah. Educated. Tell me about Paved Away, man. Well, I mean, you listed off the names of so many neighborhoods in Dallas um, that have literally been paved away. Um, and so this book, Paved Away, looks at five of those neighborhoods. It looks at Short North Dallas, uh, which is now Uptown. Mm -hmm. um, looks at Fair Park. And the parking lots that were built um, there on the west side of Fair Park. Looks at Little Mexico, um, 10th Street, and, oh my goodness, uh, Deep Ellum. Uh, so those are the five neighborhoods that we look at through this and try to understand what are the different ways that highways, parks, zoning, all sorts of other policies destroyed, bisected, and frayed these neighborhoods in Dallas to the point that they either no longer exist or hang on by a thread today? By a thread. By a thread indeed. You know, we have that happening now mm -hmm. in uh, North Dallas uh, uh, with uh, Elm Thicket. Yep. And that's for people that don't know where that's at. That would be uh, 
the black community, which is near Love Field, which Love Field took part right. of through eminent domain. Yep. Uh, uh, Love Field wouldn't be as big as it is today if it hadn't been for them taking over a black neighborhood. No. And a lot of people don't know that. Black mm. community, they don't know that. No. They don't know that. So what prompted you to write this book? <laughs> so it was actually, I was, in, I was in grad school. I made my way to SMU um, for seminary. Mm-hmm. So that's actually why I was at SMU to begin with. Um, and I ended up taking, I'm an engineer by training. So I spent seven years doing pipeline engineering here in Dallas and across the state. Um, but I ended up at seminary and I had some friends recommend a class called context and impact of design. And so it was over in the engineering school. So it was some design stuff. So I was like, well, that's interesting. I have some room in my schedule. I'll see it, see if I can take it and see what it's about. And so when I took that class, one of the main projects was writing a paper. And in that paper, you were supposed to investigate some big design element in Dallas. And so there are some suggestions about what you could write about, like the Meyerson or uh, the Arts District or something like that. You know, something big that we think of when we think of Dallas. But at the bottom of that list was Central Expressway and I-30. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I could not figure out why they had included highways on this list because as far as i'm concerned those aren't really beautiful design Mm -hmm. it's just something you use but i was like well i don't know i use central every day so maybe it'll be interesting to find some information out i don't know so i went out on a limb chose central expressway started doing the research on it and i still remember february 17th 2020 i was doing research for that paper and I came across a New York Times article that was talking about the bodies of 1,157 formerly enslaved people who had been excavated and moved to make space for the construction of the hi- reconstruction of the highway in the late 80s, early 90s. And it was at that moment, all of these things that I was learning in seminary, um, about kind of Old Testament ideas of like what it means to have a just city, um, you know, or an unjust city, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things was clicking with what I understood as an engineer about how you build things and what impact that has on people, dead or alive. And I knew, having built projects, I was like, there is no way I would ever be allowed to move bodies from a cemetery to make space for some sort of project, some piece of infrastructure, I would have to go around. So the fact that they had the ability to move all of those black bodies from rest to make space for a highway, I just like I couldn't let it go. So you had never heard of that before? No. No, I'd never heard of it. And I'd spent a lot of my time in my early 20s in Uptown. So this was in, uh, this was at Lemon in 75 That's Central. pretty close to where it's at. Yeah, it is, yeah. And I spent a lot of my early time or my early 20s in Uptown thinking to myself, why are all these cemeteries here in the middle of Uptown? And it was at that moment I realized I was asking the wrong question. So you were asking the question that everyone normally asks, such as the 
they are normally asked is why did they build this cemetery uh-huh. here? Yep. Next to the Walmart. Yep. <laughs> Which that's where the cemetery is at. Yeah, it is. Literally next to the Walmart. Yep. You go out in the back, as normally people do in the back, and they take the refuse out and everything, and they put it in the dumpster and everything. And then on the other side of the alleyway is the cemetery. Cemetery. Several cemeteries. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's four of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so the question I should have been asking is, why is all this development around these cemeteries? And that's when I found out that Uptown wasn't Uptown before the 2000s. And I learned about Short North Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then once you learn about that history and you start digging in there, I just started to go every highway I looked at, whether it was I-345 through Deep Ellum, Woodall Rogers that also cut through the Short North Dallas neighborhood, the Tollway 35, 45, everywhere I looked, I kept finding these patterns. Okay, so let's talk about the patterns here. Yeah. So that's one of the things that... Uh, John Wiley Price. He was John Wiley Price, and he wasn't Commissioner Price, then, <laughs> but he was John Wiley Price. And he has said that if you name a freeway, you can name a racist, hmm. name a Klansman. So that's what he said. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't too far from the mark. No. Ariel Thornton, Klansman. You know, Woodall Rogers, same thing. So Woodall Rogers, let's go with Woodall Rogers. Now, used. Uh, before uh, we had this conversation here, I used your book as a way to explain what uh, Remembering Black Dallas was about. I said, mm-hmm. let's take a trip with, with you, if you, yeah. if you will. Let's go, let's go south from Richardson and go downtown. Yeah. And, and then I said, let's make a stop. And we made a stop on Central Expressway, and we went to the Walmart. And so right next to the Walmart is the... Cemetery, 1,132 yeah. bodies. But if we keep further, as we do in Oak Cliff, hang a right, uh-huh. you know, hang a right. We hang a right on Woodall Rogers, and we go toward Little Mexico, yep. which is Woodall Rogers. And there's a freeway, Woodall Rogers, that eliminated Little Mexico. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, so Little Mexico actually is next door to Short North Dallas, just west so a lot of the places we think of, like where the Perot Museum is now, uh, where Victory Park is, uh, all of that area um, was a little Mexico at one time. So it was originally at the turn of the, I guess, 20th century. It was a largely Jewish community. And then after the uh, Mexican Revolution, uh, migrants uh, were coming coming in for freedom from the Mexican revolution, trying to come in to Texas, um, and seeking refuge in, in the area. And the only place that they could find a place to live was with, uh, the Jewish community. And so they started coming in and migrating and eventually, um, it became an almost entirely, um, Mexican American barrio in the area. Um, and so places like Pike Park, um, were somewhat available for them to use. Not really. Still segregated. They um, could only use it on one day. One day. Um, and if they were going to use it... They had to clean the pool out. They had to clean the pool out. Kids would pee in the water, you know, so that that's the water they had to swim in the next day. You know, all sorts of stuff. Like, the the atrocities that happened at Pike Park are just 
unfathomable. And then right outside Pike Park, you have what used to be Turney Street, which is kind of the main thoroughfare right through Little Mexico. And that eventually, and if anybody's been on Harry Hines through Uptown, coming down the North Tollway, that used to be Turney Street. Well, eventually over time, that became Harry Hines, and it widened and widened and widened. It's like six lanes wide today. You couldn't try to cross that if you wanted to on foot. Um, but with the development of the tollway, that became the inlet into downtown because it's all about how do we get people from outside of Dallas into downtown and out of downtown as fast as possible. And that's pretty way the way we have people coming in to downtown Dallas Absolutely. now. Yep. So they're coming through downtown Dallas or towards downtown Dallas on what was once someone's neighborhood and yep. community. So those people basically have disappeared. Where do they go to? They didn't disappear. Where did they go? No. Uh, well, for Little Mexico, um, the people that I know um, have either moved to West Texas, or not West Texas, West Dallas, um, and other barrios out there. Um, so do they go into apartments? Do they go into... What did they do? It depends. Um, some people did live. Some people did stay. Um, the Little Mexico uh, Village apartments are still there today. A public housing project that was developed. Um, that's still there today. So some people were, were able to stay. But other people that left, they left and found new homes, new houses in West Dallas, Oak Cliff, all over the place. Or oh, new housing developments. They moved yeah. Into. So did they give them like fair market value for their homes? That I don't know. Uh, the evidence and the research that I found suggested yes in Little Mexico's case, but that wasn't always the case in other areas uh, like North Dallas or in Fair Park or in other places like that. Uh, that was definitely not the case when eminent domain was concerned. Now, I was, uh, Gabe, it's about time for us to go to a break as well. Uh, we can play some of our local music a little bit. Uh, when I was uh, in... Uh, a little Mexico, and I was talking to some individuals there. They had mentioned the fact that they lived there and they didn't get what they considered fair market mm. value, and then they moved into the West Dallas housing the housing projects. Yeah. So what we did was we created a situation where people who had a sustainable community mm -hmm. then were forced to move to a place where they were basically wards of the state absolutely one of all places to live to move to the west dallas housing project that's a i mean that's a crime one compounded by a crime two because that just put them right in the bullseye of an environmental justice uh ticking time bomb yeah see you you talking my language yeah, you got me <laughs> when you said environmental justice all right when we come back from break we will continue with the drive uh, uh the drive south uh, so we are now on uh, Woodall Rogers, and now we're getting ready to go in the old clip. But before we do that, we're going to take uh, uh, take some music. Uh, play some jazz music, if you can, for us, and we'll be ready to roll back. All right? <laughs>
Right, you're listening to the smooth sounds of Zamil. I was with Zamil this past week. You remember that? Yeah. We were all together at, at this uh, SMU Impact Night. Yep, we were. And uh, we were, you didn't know Zamil played music like that. Mm-mm, no. Yeah, that was Zamil. Hit that again, man. <laughs> Just one more time. When you, I got you on the show. You yeah, hey. Music. We yeah. were at Impact Night. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. You see, you got into it now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Man, we were talking uh, during the break time about, uh, uh, we were talking about during the break time about uh, going into Oak Cliff. And Zamil is from Oak Cliff as well. And uh, he had lived at one time in the bottom, which is yeah. uh, the, uh, the Freedman's community. Uh, uh, but, you know, I'd, I'd heard about. Uh, R.L. Thornton, that's uh, R.L. Thornton when it goes south. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so R.L. Thornton goes south straight through Oak Cliff um, and straight through two Freedman's Towns, the bottom, and then 10th Street. Um, and we have What's the difference? Obviously, one's on the bottom. And <laughs> oh, yeah, one's, <laughs> one's, one's, oh, yeah, one's on the bottom, one's 10th Street. Um, <laughs> as far as this I... This is education. Yeah, right. I tell you. Um, <laughs> As far as I understand it, the bottoms are the part are the area that is closer to the Trinity River uh, levees and kind of that area, the bottom, right, right around the levees. Uh, and then Tenth Street is a little further south as you start kind of coming up uh, a little bit up the hill, a little yeah, bit up on that hill. Yeah. yeah, I hope I got that. Now you got it right. Okay, you got it right. Where are you from? <laughs> Lake Highlands. Lake Highlands. Yep. Are there any free men's communities around there? Uh, yeah. Well, well there were. Well, uh, you follow right into it. Dude. You follow right. You see how I interview, yeah. right? Is it, yeah. Uh, you know, I already knew where you were from. Yeah. I just wanted you to answer the question. What? It's like e- a lawyer, like, Little Egypt. Yeah, Little Egypt. Yep. Where's Little Egypt at? Or was? Was uh, right on Northwest Highway. Um, I can't think of the cross street. I think it's Lake Highlands. Yes, yeah, so is the a cross street there, but it's a shopping center. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, they do us wrong any kind of way. Mm. They say, you, we got to build a freeway. Where are we going to go at? There's some black people somewhere <laughs> around here. Yeah, I think we found them. <laughs> we're going that way, folks. And, you know, we need to build a shopping center. Where are we going to go at? I don't know. It's some black people around here. Well, I don't know. Let's build one there. And the same thing that happened when we said Little Egypt. And uh-huh. you also say... Uh, when we're talking about the Ross Perot Museum mm-hmm. and Perot Museum, all it's like we are being used as a commodity for public construction. Yeah. Yeah, we own it, but you don't know how long you own it. Right. When it's not labor anymore, it's like, well, we're going to take your livelihood and everything else. And we're not going to steal your labor directly anymore. Or your lives, mm-hmm. but we're going to take everything you have through eminent domain and building this for the public good. Right. And we know that public is limited. So who's the public? Public looks like you, not public me. Public looks like me. Dallas was built by and for people like me. Right. The first bill of sale was Jane Elkins, mm-hmm. African-American woman. Yep. Yep. And that's the way it's been ever since. Huh? So how many construction building sites residences were lost uh during the construction of uh R.L. Thornton oh gosh 
gosh, man, you're hitting me with numbers questions. Now you had to do numbers. Oh, There's man. no numbers. I mean, you, you even got to resort to in your book, but that's okay. But you know, it's like it's a question for our friend yeah, Katie Cross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's one. She she would dig it. No yeah. pun intended, because she's an archaeologist, yeah. and that's what they do. They dig yeah, things. They dig it. Yeah. So, but you know, there's like hundreds of that's yeah. that's the answer. The hundreds. Yeah. It was it was not just like twenty or thirty neighborhoods. No. I mean, twenty or thirty houses. It's like hundreds of houses yeah. were lost. From uh, from the Trinity River bottom all the way down to what Marcellus Avenue, where the yeah, zoos at? Yeah, at least easily. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that's quite a bit, and it, we seem to be losing that again when they create the deck park and all kinds of things like that. Well, and it's not just homes; it's businesses too. You know, when I talk to people in Tenth Street, like Lou Nelson's, uh, you know, people whose families had businesses. That's up on that hill up there. Yeah, just right in the. They were right in. It looks the abandoned and everything. Well, it's not there anymore. Her family's tailored. Her father's tailor shop was right in the land where the highway went, and so they had to move entirely. And so everything that they had was right in the way of the highway, and they had to pick up and move and go further, you know, east or west. I can't remember exactly, but it was the same story in Short North Dallas too. Highway cut right through Hall Street, the heart of black economic power in Dallas was on Hall Street and through Deep Ellum. Now, the Lewis Bedford family, mm-hmm. uh, which the school, uh, Adwell uh, Middle School, now is named Lewis Bedford mm-hmm. Middle School. But Lewis Bedford had said that his, well, his son had said, right there where you're sitting at right now, had said that uh, his family's... Uh, there was a store that they went to. That store now is where the Walmart's at. Mm. He, he just mentioned what was once there. Yeah. This, is, this was there. And, and you see that quite often. Oh, right? yeah. When you talk about, like, the density of economic activity was incredible. When you look at the phone books from right before the highway went in, there were over 100 businesses on Hall Street between Ross and State. And today, I think you've got like a Starbucks, the Walmart, maybe a Cleaners. So it's just a fraction of what could be contributing to the city. And it's like there was more being done in economic prosperity for the city, economic prosperity for black wealth in Dallas, and that's all gone. And it's generational wealth, too, because if you you lose that, a lot of our connection is with your family did okay yeah. now if your family owned uh if your family owned black and clark mm-hmm. yeah you can tell i read your book <laughs> 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 if your family owned black and clark then you hand it down to yeah. someone else in your family yeah and then they hand it down to someone else yep. so forth and so on if you're a doctor then chances are your son may be a doctor that 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 ends up happening as well, so we we lost that because then if you no longer own that cleaners, all you have to say is we used to own the cleaners. Mm-hmm. It's where Central Expressway is at now. Yeah, or you have to move somewhere else, and you may not have the same economic possibilities. Yeah. wherever you moved to, whether that was Oak Cliff or out of the city entirely, than you had before. 
Right. And so it's just, yeah, it's just, it guts. It's like back as clean as moving from South Dallas and moving to Frisco. That just won't work. No. You know, it just won't work. So we are now in Oak Cliff now and freeways again. What other freeways? Oh, you got 30, you got 45, you got... Okay, let's go. Let's let's go with thirty. Okay. Uh, let's, and th- this is not in your book, but let's no, let's, let's we'll talk go. about some yeah. other things in, in thirty. And this is something that I I uh, researched recently myself yeah. about thirty and about Dolphin mm-hmm. Road. Yep. And uh, this is where it came with environmental justice. Some is stories that, I couldn't include in the book. Right. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's like, wow. That's like, yeah, anytime the, you write a dissertation, you go like, well, I, I want to put this in here. And then you go like, okay, it's in here. And then you go like, ah, I'm going off in something I don't want to go into. Yeah. I need to go back. Let me take that out. Yeah. But uh, Dolphin Road, uh-huh. where uh, it became a community that that black people were living in, and mm-hmm. then you ran the I-30 through it as well. Yep. And uh, incidentally, that community was built uh, on a converted landfill. Yep. The literal intersection of... Environmental racism right. and infrastructure racism. Right. So I got to yeah. write that one there, infrastructural racism. That's good. I'm going to have to cite them now. Damn. <laughs> you, don't <have> to, <laughs> you don't have to cite anything of mine. <laughs> well, okay. So that along with uh, C.F. Hahn Freeway. Uh-huh. C.F. Hahn Freeway, uh, what we used to call Dead Man's Curve. Uh-huh. When you're coming from C.F. Hahn Freeway, then you go into Central expressway yeah. that way that took Bonton area yep. as well the, the ideal community yep. as well absolutely so I wiped that out there were homes there and then built the levee around it like a little moat yep and and cordoned it off yep that's all you had was Bayard Street coming out you had one way in one way out yep yeah and people wondered why was Bayard Street one way in and one way out it wasn't always that way no it wasn't always that way. Nope. All right. Now, we're back in South Dallas now. You, got my, you see how I didn't... Yeah, I'm trying in my mind. I'm yeah, going through see, the map. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, where right, are we going? Right, where are we going? Because yeah. <laughs> we we're coming up on the end of our interview as well. Because uh, we are now going to... Uh, well, we're going to South Dallas and we're going to Fair Park. Okay. Okay. Now, Fair Park. Yeah. Where all the brothers and sisters always be saying, hey, park here in my house. Park here at my house. And that's the one way of making money when, well, you it's, it's a way of making yeah. money. I mean, you own the property, and there's there's something viable there Absolutely. that you can make some property money off of. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some people decide that you're making too much money off of people parking in your front yard. Why don't we just take all your homes that are near the fair? And what happened on that? Oh, man, we probably don't have enough time. <clears throat> But yeah, they took people's homes in the Fair Park neighborhood and turned them into the parking lots that we have. Um, so the where's west, the parking lots at? I always call it the west side of Fair Park. Um, I don't know if that's the right term, the south southwest side. Basically, if, you, if you're coming in on, what is that? By the South Dallas Cultural Center? Yeah, by the South Dallas Cultural Center and all that right there. If you're coming in on that area... That's right where those parking lots that are right where there. Everybody say, uh, where everybody says, oh, I'm going to park in here because uh-huh. it's safe. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just being real. That's, that's being what real. people say. And that's. <clears throat> and that's I know why people in South Dallas gonna say, "No, you didn't say that." No, that's what people say. I mean, but you know, they can jack your car inside the parking lot too. <laughs> So, you know, hey, that's it. Go ahead. And that's why they built the parking lots to begin with. What, because so the city of Dallas. Because white people say, I don't want to park my car out there. I want to park yeah. it in here. Yeah. Where it's safe. The parking lots were built to make white people go into the fair feel comfortable. That's, that is a, there's a study that was done by the Economic Research Association that the city or the fair carried out. And we have, like, the transcripts from those focus groups. And they said, you know, if we built a paved, lit, and fenced parking lot, would you feel safe going to the fair? And there's this great line there where it says, with a resounding yes, the citizens of Dallas agreed. And you're just like, I mean, it's, it is flat out racism, not even being hidden. It is right out in the open, paid for. I was just like I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. You can't wrap your head around. How come? I, I mean, I, I mean, I can. I, you know, because it's like I can. I, I, it's like I would go down to. They did a study like that. It would be like me going down to the car wash that used to be there on, uh-huh. on King Boulevard and yeah. asking the brothers in there that's that's cleaning the cars and everything. He said, "Well, what are you thinking?" It'd be like you know they don't want want to put the cars out there. And it make them feel safer, you know. It's like, but then that process again, people again lost their livelihoods. Mm-hmm. Not livelihoods, they lost their homes. Homes. And they didn't get fair market value on that. No. And they had to fight tooth and nail to get I know anything even closer to what they originally, beyond what they were originally offered by the city. They were offering white homeowners and landowners in the area four times what they were offering black homeowners for the same house, the same size house on the same street. Yeah, they still do that now. No, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, nothing's yeah. changed. Nicole Hannah-Jones said that yesterday. She said that, yep, uh, appraisal differences. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing it back then. They were just oh, yeah. offering it, but we didn't have a big fancy word for that as we no. do now. No. Yeah. And the way that they carried that out, so the city started beef well before they did any eminent domain, and they were restricting permits, so people couldn't file permits to fix their roofs, improve their properties. So anytime anybody went to go and try and get a permit, the city denied that permit. They had a moratorium on permits in that area because they were trying to drive the price of property down. So if your roof needed fixing, and you know it needs fixing because it rained, and you say, well, I need to get some new shingles on there. They say, no, you can't get any new shingles if on you, there. If you needed a permit to carry out the work, you couldn't get that permit. So then your house falls and you need repairing. And then they take your house because they say it's... Blighted. Blighted. Slum. And any they get word? it for nothing then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. WBD. Works by design. Absolutely. Works by design. Yeah. Yeah, this is the way it works. I thought it was going to work like that. So how do we stop this stuff? You got to disrupt the patterns. You have to get in the way of the way that the institutions work because this stuff keeps happening. People in Shreveport, Louisiana are fighting the same fight today. The people in Houston 
are fighting the same highway fights today. People in Portland fighting the same highway fights today. This has not stopped. Wait a minute, they're just doing it to black people again? Again, still. Oh. (laughs) It never stopped. Never stopped. Never stopped. Yep. And so what I try to do, and the reason I wanted to write this book, was because people talk a lot about these stories individually, but we don't bring them together to see how it's all carried out in the same way in the same playbook time and time again because that's how power continues to maintain power it keeps you segmented and fragmented so that you can't see what everybody else is doing but if we can get into and disrupt the process then we have an opportunity to keep it from happening again and it requires us to not forget what has happened because when the history, like when the physical structures are gone, it's so hard to fight for that history. It's gone. It's gone. And it makes it difficult to make a case to people when there's nothing left to point to. Because not everybody just wants to love an idea for an idea's sake. Um, but when there's nothing physical left, it's ten times harder to get anybody to care okay. about what's there. And you're writing another book? You're writing a uh, follow-up? I'm well. I'm working on expanding this one to include the the Elm Thickets, the the Dolphin Heights. You know, all those stories that I didn't get to include in this book. And I'm also working on a history of environmental racism in Dallas. So trying to get the, the you're, right, you're working on two books then. Eventually, yeah. The Deepwood Dumps. The uh, yeah. The Dolphin Heights neighborhood with the landfill. Yeah, no, that's wild. RSR when, you, when you go, folks, if you're from Dallas, the Dolphin Heights, you know, you're making that turn off of the I-30 and you're going up the hill. That's the Heights. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. Dolphin Heights. And then you go down. That was the landfill. That was it. Yep. You go in the Military Parkway, that is exactly where it is at. Yep. Uh, that's it. So uh, you're an engineer by trade. By trade. Yeah. I don't identify. I don't don't yeah. hold that against. No, me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I, I want to point that out because what we're talking about a lot of this has to do with well, obviously engineering. Yeah. Urban planning. Yep. And that's what the commission uh, is about. Uh, I uh, am a uh, city planning commissioner, and that's how you got to commission title. So that yep. falls right aligned with yep. what we're doing here. And those are the exact places where these battles are fought. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's good to see you in person because yes. normally when I see you, it's through the Urban Research Cluster. That, yeah, you're on a screen. You, yeah, and, I'm on know, the screen. The I have, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel so dismembered <laughs> up there, you know. You know, so, you know, hey, so I have to get there in person. I tried to do that the last time around. but It's okay. But I, I'll get there. But, you know, I called you the last time. Where's the meeting? Where's the meeting? Where's the meeting? And you were there. And yeah, then I, I walked there. out. Yeah, I'm you sorry. walked out. I said, yeah. I had a highway fight. You had a highway fight. I had a highway yeah. fight. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want you to come back again to talk a little yeah. bit more. Absolutely. Uh, next time around, we'll talk about environmental uh, racism sure. and everything. So Talking your, your no, language. We, we, we're talking your deal as well. <laughs> talking your deal as well. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to the Commission Radio Show, and, we're, and uh, we are about to start our number two. Now, keep in mind, this radio podcast is carried on by people like you. Uh, Gabe, I think we have up on the scroll, uh, I think we have how they can donate through Cash App, and we need to put Zelle up there. Someone said, I don't do Cash App, I do Zelle. So we need to put Zelle up there and PayPal as well. 
We, uh, again, thank you for listening in. Uh, we want you to pick up the book, Paved Away, Infrastructure Policy and Racism in an American City by Colin Yarbrough, a good guy and a good friend of mine. And, uh, hey, I want to say before I uh, let you go, I heard about you before you uh, finished writing your book, Dr. Candace Bledsoe. Mm, uh, yeah. Spoke well, well, well of you. And I said, hey, I got to check this guy out. So when I first oh. met you and everything, I said, I already know who you are. You know? oh. So thank you. I appreciate you All for coming right. Thank on. you. Appreciate thank it. You. All right. Thank you. Y'all take care. All right. Hello take out care. there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association. And when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the commish. Hey, this is Cheryl Smith, and when I'm looking for news and information, I tune in to The Commish on Saturdays. I got so much trouble on my mind, refuse to lose. Here's your ticket, cause the drama get wicked. The cooler you to push the back of black attack, so I stack and tap and slap the mac. Now I'm ready to mic it. My name is Gail Todd with Townview Realtors. If you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtodd88 at yahoo.com. With me, it's all about you. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commission Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot is this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commission. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Hey, how you doing? This is Ed Gray of the Commission Radio Show. Stay tuned and tune in and be up to speed on everything in social justice, human rights, and politics on the Commission Radio Show, airing every Saturday, 5 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Podcasters, the name of the game is to get more visibility for your podcast so you can gain more credibility with your audience, thus more profitability. If you're ready to start syndicating your podcast and massively grow your audience and influence, then contact Fishbowl Radio Network today at 817-633-4880. Fishbowl Radio Network is one of the largest streaming platforms in the world. And now your podcast can be heard all over the world by the listening audience that Fishbowl Radio Network has amassed over the last 11 years with over 6 million impressions a month and growing this is a platform that all podcasters should be on to create greater visibility for their podcast jump in today and be a part of the fishbowl family streaming great live internet radio shows and podcasts 24 7 817 633 4880 jump in 
America. Your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. FBRN dot US. Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.
That's right. You need to be listening here to legal standpoint with Michael J. Todd. That's right. Where do you stand at legally? Where do you stand at politically? Well, I know where he is sitting at. He's sitting right across the table from me. And who do you have with you? I have my lovely daughter, Sydney Denise Todd, with me today. Hello, everybody. All right. <laughs> so she's a uh, Howard University grad. She uh, is a new mother. Has yes. my first granddaughter, <laughs> Nalani Todd. <laughs> all right. So she's been here with us, and so she's going to join us today. All right, all right. So you ready to roll with oh, this? Oh, I'm man? always ready to roll. Man. Always you know ready that. to roll, huh? I'm always ready. So to roll. you know, we we we're, we're talking about doing the intro as we uh, did that earlier on uh, IG Live and everything. We were talking about where you stand at politically and legally, and how they changing these laws. What's going on, man? Y- you know what, Ed? As a criminal defense attorney. Uh, I'm very interested, of course, in the criminal justice system, how it applies to our people and and to everybody, really, just to make sure that it's fairly done. And, of course, we've talked numerous times about different trends that have been ongoing in this country, Uh, how 
all across in different states. Everybody's been going around talking about that the uh, that the voting laws, that there's so much fraud that we have to change these laws. And you see the same type of the same type of legislation replicated from state to state. We've we've seen other things that uh, that have gone from state to state that they're just trying to this critical race theory type stuff where they're trying to ban, you know, that. We see down in Florida, they're, they're attacking history. You see here in Texas that they're after DEI, diversity, equity, and what's the I Inclusion. And inclusion. Uh, they, they're trying to attack those programs. So about a week and a half ago, I saw something, man, that was really just a merge of the criminal justice system and all these shenanigans that folks have been, 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 been pulling lately. And, and, and it just shocked me. And it was in the state of Mississippi. And I've had some... I've, Wait a minute, hold on. You were shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> and where was that again? State of Mississippi. And you were shocked. I was shocked. Okay. All right. I was shocked. You shouldn't be shocked by anything in Mississippi. Well, I've been in Mississippi before. And you I've, got out. Yeah, but I, I've, 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 I do federal cases. Mm-hmm. I've handled probably four federal cases in the state of Mississippi. I'm not going to say the great state. I'm just going to say in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> I've got friends there in Mississippi. I've been down there in their justice system. So, yeah, I was a little shocked with respect to what I read. And what that was was this. We have, and we got to set it up, there are 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. 82. <clears throat> One of these counties has a city which also, uh, of course, is the state capital for the state of Mississippi, which is Jackson, Mississippi. The county that Jackson, Mississippi is in is predominantly black. Hines County, right? Hines County. I think they have about 72% folks that are black. Now, as we know, throughout Mississippi, throughout the state of Texas, things of that nature, that generally your judges, district court judges, the ones that are sitting there and listening to cases each day about civil matters, divorces, things of that nature, and also criminal matters, murders, DWIs, things of that nature, are generally elected by the individuals within that county. Okay? Because why? You know why, why, why we kind of do that in? No, why? Well, because we want to have accountability over those individuals. They, when they make decisions that are affecting the community, then they need to be accountable to that community. You follow me? So I'm sitting here and I'm reading this and, you know, we're looking at and, you know, these judges are, are, are elected, right? But we don't stop there. Generally, your district attorney is, adop- is elected, all right? Now, here in Dallas County, we have a black DA who's John Crusoe, all right? And you have had here in Texas and some of the larger counties, individuals have begun to flex their political weight and have been able to elect individuals that are either like us, right, or have the same common interests that we have, which is, you know, just, just being decent to people. Right. Right. You know, I don't think decency is something that's just attributable to one type of person, you know, like black folks or Hispanic folks. I got I know plenty of white folks that are decent people. Decent white folks. 
Yeah, these are white <laughs> folks. <laughs> <laughs> so we just want decent people. So as I'm reading this now, 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 now I got to get this out, this little background, because this is why it's so shocking. Out of 82 counties in Mississippi, the state legislature, which is predominantly Republican, right? They have like a supermajority of Republicans. They have decided that in this one county in Mississippi out of the 82, that they are going to set up their own or a separate criminal justice system, meaning they are going to set up a the judges that are there. They are going to set up the prosecutor that is there and also the person who's going to be the public defender there. Okay? Did I say the police force? You did not. Say I did not say the police force? No, you didn't oh, say okay, all right. Force. And they're going to appoint their own police police force. Ah, we just fell right in line with that one, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, 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 so, the, so the home, so what are they going to do with the own police force? I got everything you said first. I'm, I'm outraged too. But explain the police force issue. Well, right? the thing is, is this: they're going to have their own police force. They're going to appoint, you know, some police officer rather than going to say, okay, Hines County, we're going to give you additional resources because the whole thing about this, they're saying, well, there's so much crime going on in Hines County that we need to do something additional, right? We need more boots on the ground. But rather than going through and giving more resources to Hines County, appointing more judges or, or, or authorizing more judges there, giving a bigger budget with respect to the existing DA, giving more money or whatever assets or programs that are needed for the police force and the public defenders, rather than doing that, which would require all of those new uh, assets, all of those new resources to go through the existing elected individuals who just happen to be black, right? Rather than doing that, they're like, no, we're going to hook up our own little deal here. And rather than have the people elect these new people, we're going to appoint them. We're going to have the chief justice of our Supreme Court appoint the judges. We're going to have mechanisms in which to appoint these other individuals, the police chief, uh, the, uh, the public defender, the prosecutor, things of that nature. And so it has caused an outrage down in Mississippi, but it needs to be causing an outrage across the country. Because as the mayor of Mississippi has said, this is not only Jim Crow 2.0, this is apartheid. That they are gonna have a separate system where the Republican slash white individuals are gonna be appointing individuals that are gonna be enforcing laws in a county that's predominantly black. So they're probably gonna appoint white DAs, white judges, white police chiefs to do that then. Well, I'm going to say could. this. I'm going to say I would, I would think so, but they're going to, of course, appoint individuals that are Republicans. And those individuals, as we know right now, are off on a tangent with just, with just all types of stuff. Well, it's, it, it somewhat reminds me of being in Washington, D.C. a little bit. Well, why do you say, oh, being uh, D.C. representation with no, I mean, uh, taxation with no representation. Exactly. Right. 
And, and Congress at one point in time appointed who the mayor was. Congress at one point in time appointed the police chief. Correct. It was over congressional oversight. Well, that's right. And, and, and to this day, they don't have a real voting member as it relates to Congress at all. They don't. Right. No, none at all. And so you guess how that situation, and you know, I've always felt from D.C. because, of course, I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. My daughter went to Howard in D.C. And I'm a native Washingtonian. Oh, you're a native Washingtonian? Oh, I, right. I, 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 I was know born that. in Washington, so D.C. I, I, I knew that. I knew. Yeah, yeah. But, anyway, but the thing That's is. That's why I'm so sensitive about this. Well, well, yeah, it really is. It I really didn't say is. sensitive. I said sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is is this. So yeah, you should be sensitive about that. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a little thrown off now about Mississippi though. Right. Because yeah. you know, if it happens in Mississippi, you know, it could very easily happen somewhere else. With without a doubt because we've been having what? With all of these other initiatives, we've been having all of this replication in Copycats. other cities. Yeah. Copycats. You know, all of those CR, uh, CRT bills that are going through Texas and Georgia and Florida and all these other states, we talked last time we were here about how there are certain actors, certain players that are providing this language for this legislation from state to state. And what happens is that when one state sees something and it looks good, then the next state, when you have those type of people, they're like, hey, look, well, we're going to do it too. So what we have is we have the situation where they are trying to set up a second criminal justice system to circumvent the people who are in power now that were legally elected and to set up something that doesn't have any type of voting system at all. It's just an appointment. I was talking to uh, to Sydney about this earlier, and one of the concerns that she expressed, which I, I I hadn't even thought of it from this standpoint, was like the individuals who are not going to have an opportunity to vote on these people that are going to be appointed, that are going to be working in their area. I mean, how do they feel? How do they feel? They, what, 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 and well, because the crazy part to me was that the areas that they carved out to be under this new court system were white. And so I was like, hmm, seems like the white people are going to lose their votes in the area. And then it was like, so now it seems like they don't even trust white folks to vote for white folks anymore. (laughs) 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 We got to help our people down there. They misguided. They they misguided, right. (laughs) They they don't know what to do. They don't know what they're doing. They're just going along with stuff. We saw some of them down there at the George Floyd protest. Yeah. So, hey, we don't even want them them to get off the the beaten path. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this wokeism. This wokeism. This wokeism. Yeah, we can't have that wokeism. Can't have this wokeism. Yeah, this wokeism. I mean, but the thing is, is this. Just think about that. I mean, we have to massage and we have to let that really, really sink in. They are trying to come up with a second system. They are changing the law to ensure that not only are they in political power, but now that they are maintaining the hands on the criminal justice system. And if they do it in one county, right, what's going to keep them from doing it in a second county? Okay. Let's say they're doing it now in uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, right? 
What's another big city in, in in Mississippi? Do they have one? They could be doing it in Yazoo, Mississippi. <laughs> I, you know, where 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 are you gonna lose people in Mississippi? Man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let me stop but, you right there. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, this 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 whole deal that you just mentioned uh, regarding that, will it fly? Well, you know what, and this is the thing. When I first saw this. I tell you, I, I've, I've tried cases in Mississippi before, all right? I do federal law. I've been to Mississippi t- maybe four or five times. And I've met a lot of attorneys down there. I've worked with a lot of attorneys. And I really respect the attorneys that are down there. So what I did, there, there are two of my guys that actually live in Jackson, Mississippi. And so when I saw this, I, I text the article to them, and I said, man, what is going on here, Right? Now, I'm not going to name my fellas, right? But I can say that they are not black, right? But the response I got back was, these crackers (laughs) down here. And so what I'm talking about is that when we have decent folk who's supposed to be about the democratic, you know, ideal, democracy, they see the problems. So I said, well, what's going on? So I said, well... Uh, are you going to be able to stop it? Things of that nature. And he said, well, yeah, I, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we got it under control. We got some ways in which we can stop this from happening, from being enacted. But if you had it under control, why did they feel like they could get away with proposing it in the first place? Oh, well, going to try some. Yeah, yeah they're going to try. They're going to try. <laughs> I mean, they always going to try. Yeah, you got to try. They always going to try. <laughs> but they're spending but, a lot of time and effort trying on something if you just think it's, it may not work. Well, and that's true. And the thing is... It has passed the House, right? So it has to go to the Senate, which, of course, they have, Republicans have a supermajority in the Senate also, all right? Right. So from a political standpoint, it would appear that it would pass. Now, I, I, I may be a little bit, but I know they only had four hours of debate about this you know this 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 type program right that they're talking about and they passed it in the house so it has to go to the senate now you asked how can we stop it right right and the best chance to stop it may be in the court system because i just indicated to you that there are 82 counties in the state 81 counties are going to maintain what their right to elect the elected officials throughout each county. So in this one place, in this one county, we're going to have this appointment stuff. So we could have some type of breach of the voting rights of the individuals who will not have the ability to vote for their elected DA, judges, uh, and, uh, and the police officers, right? We could attack it maybe from an equal protection standpoint because they are treating this county differently than the other 81 counties that are in that particular state. So you could have some equal protection. Which amendment is that, 14th or 15th? Uh, that'd be 14th. Okay. Okay. And then we. As you could tell, I've been reading the Constitution. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, well, you're a lawyer. I got a lawyer. I, I got. And so, and then on top of that, if the if the if the purpose of 
passing this, right, is because they are trying to circumvent the black individuals within that county of having positions of power throughout the county, you know, you could have some type of civil rights type or discrimination type uh, 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 causes of action with respect to this type of uh, this type of conduct. I mean, you have to look at it. You only are picking on one county. Right. You know, it's one thing if they had decided they were going to pass this whole thing for the whole state. That may be within their purview. But when you just pick out one county versus the other 81, the question is, what's the difference between that county and the 81? All right. And so... The thing is, is that that county has a majority of black folks. And before we go on a break, we are coming up on the 530 mark. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just amazing that they they did that. They don't read the Constitution of Mississippi a lot. Well, the thing is, is this. Either they don't read the Constitution or, some, you know, sometimes people just don't care. We've seen that, you know, with, with you know, with the MAGA people. We've seen the people, the J6ers who went up there. We've, we've, we've heard all these people talking about, you know, you know, I love America and freedom while they're trying to restrict freedom from individuals. We've heard it from individuals that say, oh, we love freedom, but, uh, but you know, but not for them. So at this point, people are trying anything. They, you know, wh whether it's going to, you know, make the Constitution or meet the Constitution, who knows? You know, they, they think that the Constitution is what they feel it should be. Well, you know, it's shocking that we, we mentioned that as well uh, because Mississippi was the last state in the Union to adopt the, uh, the 13th Amendment, to approve the 13th Amendment. Right. And they did that in what year? 2013. <laughs> 148 years after the amendment had passed. So that's the right. faith and hope. Right. That and, we have in Mississippi. And, and, and doesn't Mississippi, doesn't their flag still have the... They just changed that recently, the bars. The they got bar, a sure they, just, I thought, they just changed I thought that was it. South Carolina that changed No, yeah, they changed the bar. They just changed that one. Uh, on the break. I'm going to have to Google break. that one. Go on and Google. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Legal Standpoint with Michael J. Todd and the Commish Radio Show. All right. We'll be right back. Hi. My name is Gail Todd with Townview Realtors. If you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtodd88 at yahoo.com. With me... It's all about you. What's up, beautiful peoples out there? It's your boy, Maul, a.k.a. Cool Pop Watson, baby. Make sure you check my man out. Three to five every Saturday. Commission Radio Show. Make sure y'all come check my man out. Hello out there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association. And when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the Commish. I'm Pastor Freddie Haynes. I listen to the Commission Show on the Fishbowl for my social activism information so I can be a better agitator. All right. 
Commission Radio Show legal standpoint with Michael J. Todd, you know, where we are, well, we're drinking clean water here in Dallas, but in Jackson, Mississippi, maybe they need to take over the uh, the water plants in Jackson then if they want to do right. something. Right, if they want to do something I mean, to, help, you know, to, to help. You know, they, they've been down there not having clean water for, for what, for years. They're taking away people's right to uh, vote for the DA, but they don't want to do anything about the water. About drink. the water. Now, but the one thing, though, Ed, is this. We're talking about Mississippi, and we're talking about how this kind of stuff could could replicate out throughout the country where they're starting to impose secondary citizenship again as it relates to certain citizens uh, by, by, by who they elect. Or, or they're going to impose this American apartheid uh, as the mayor of Jackson, who's, uh, who's uh, Mayor Lanumba. Uh, and I, I know Mary Lanumba. Uh, years ago, I tried a case down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And his father uh, was one of the attorneys that was in the case who was named Shokwe Lanumba. And Shokwe was real, I mean, he was a character, man. He was a big, tall guy, about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and did not hold back saying anything that he wanted to say. And so uh, Shokwe ended up being the mayor of Jackson. He was elected initially. Uh, during his legal career, he represented Tupac. Uh, he represented uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who they have a special about now. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, yes. Yeah, but for those people who don't know who, they don't follow basketball, go ahead and tell them. Who well, Mahmoud, well uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was right. formerly known as Chris Jackson. He was a, uh, a basketball player, and he has a special on Showtime now called Stand which is very, very illuminating because they ran him out of basketball just like they ran Colin Kaepernick out of football because he didn't want to stand for the national anthem. Yeah, it's true. He's from Mississippi, too. Did you know Chris Jackson was from Mississippi? No, I didn't know that. Gulfport, Mississippi. And he was building a big house down there. But them good old boys, when he wouldn't stand, they burned his house down. They did. Burned it down. And see, that's the reason why, you know, you don't play with Mississippi. Far yeah. East Mississippi. Far, hey. <laughs> oh, Far East. Now, who, now that's the Barcades, eh? Nah, that's Ohio players, bro. <laughs> Ohio, okay. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that game going like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, but the thing is, is this. Yeah. We've talking about, uh, you know, how all these things are happening in Mississippi and how they could start here. But things like this have been happening for a period of time. So people say, oh, I'm just indignant about it. how could they do this to the justice system in Mississippi? Well, they've been doing this all the time. Let's look at, right, and, and just to you know, make a point. Back in 2017, in North Carolina, there was an individual named Roy Cooper who won the governorship. And in the lame duck session, the Republicans who had a majority in both houses, they went through and started passing laws within a three-day time period that stripped the governor from certain rights, such as who can appoint what, him being able to appoint individuals on certain boards within the, within the state. His cabinet. Before he could, the governor could just, when it was Republicans, they could just appoint him. 
But then they wanted to pass a law that said that whoever he appointed had to be subject to confirmation by the Senate. Okay? And even today, as I did a little research, they still have litigation that's ongoing in North Carolina right now concerning what? How and whether they can change those laws to change the rights and obligations of the governor. Now, I'm saying stuff like rights and obligations, but let's break this down. If I'm the governor and I'm able to appoint the person for transportation, the person that's over commerce, then if I'm able to appoint that person, that person that's over the commerce department may say, well, you know what? Black folks, Hispanic folks, women, economically disadvantaged people have not been getting a fair shake. We're going to get some programs through the Commerce Department where these people can eat, where these people can get a piece of the pie. But if you've got now that Democrat who's now appointing people, and now that individual that comes up before a confirmation hearing, and you have nothing but Republicans, if he espouses any type of, of, of program such as that, they're going to deny him the confirmation. So changing the laws just on who can appoint and what the process is, is something that's very big, right? So we've seen it back in North Carolina. We saw it in Michigan back in 2018 where they, the, the, the Democrat wins, they start trying to change the laws, right? And guess where else we see it in right now? We, of course, we see it down every day out of Florida. It's a whole list of things. If, 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 if uh, the, the, the legislature passed a congressional map in Florida where it had a couple of black districts. Take them away. And what, and what, and what, and what did DeSantis do? Took them away. Took them away, right? Disney came out and said, hey, look, man. This, this, this don't say gay bill is wrong. What'd he do? Took away that, you know, we're going to strip you from the autonomy that you had down there in Disney World. The college board. Oh, he's gotten to the point where he has gone from saying, you're not going to be able to have an African-American's AP course to the point of now saying, we, ain't, we may not even let AP just come in here at all. At all. We're going to just remove all the programs changing the laws to their personal whims. It's been going on for years. So when we see this in Jackson, we just can't sit back like, oh, that's just some, that's some aberration that's going on in Jackson. This is a tidal wave. This is a tsunami, right? Forget tidal wave. This is a tsunami. Because with a tsunami, what happens before the tsunami hits? Do you know? It's just real quiet. Like it's just real quiet. The water just kind of starts to seep away from the bank before it then comes back around and what? Destroys everything. Man, you're in a courtroom, man. You're giving <laughs> alliterations and stuff, man. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the court. Okay, yeah, we got to convict on this one. Yeah, that tidal wave and everything. Tidal, no, su tsunami. no, tsunami. Tsunami. So all of these things, we, we have, we, and I'm talking about folks that are decent people, people who really are involved, people who really profess to love democracy. We have to be able to take action. We have to help individuals. 
as it relates to filing these lawsuits to attack these things. When we see something that's happening in Jackson or Florida or what, or even here in the state of Texas, just last this past week, we've mentioned it already. Oh, we ain't going to do this DEI no more. You know, Abbott has said, hey, look, we, you know, nobody in, in, in any agency in Texas needs to do this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff. You know, diversity, just having more people. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this, Ed. As an attorney, there, there are times when you, 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 know, you, you have a case and you're talking about your case. And, you know, and I've handled a lot of cases and, you know, I, I, I kind of know usually what's going on. But sometimes it just is good to get another perspective from other attorneys. What do you think about this? Uh, and, and so diversity of thought is something that I think is, is worthwhile. So if we have diversity of viewpoints, I mean, what is so wrong with that? What is so evil about that? What, I mean, I, I don't even understand the whole, the whole principle behind these anti-programs. I mean, it's, it's just mind boggling to me. It, 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 it worries me a lot. It worries me a lot. So are we going forward or backwards here? It seems like, you know what, you remember that, that book we had to read in, uh, in, was it junior high school? A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It seems like it's both. Because when we look at it from as we sit right now, we are better off than our parents, we are better off than our grandparents and our ancestors before as it relates to being able to be involved in this country. But so that's the good, the, you know, the best of times. But then you see all of this that is starting this, un, you know, this, uh, this undercurrent, this tsunami that is, that is trying to, that is trying to come forward and you feel it's the worst of times because rather than proceeding forward, it seems like folks, there's a segment of this country that wants to take us back. And the thing is, is this, we cannot let it happen. And when I say we, decent people cannot let it happen. Well, how can decent people do something? Well, we got to be involved. The first thing to be involved is you got to be aware. And so I think that's one of the things that you and I do to try to highlight what some of these issues are. Because when it gets to the point where they pass the law down there, and they got those appointed judges giving people, you know, 50 years, then people going to be all in an uproar. Oh, it's not right that these judges down there doing that. Well, we got to do the uproar now. When I called my guys down in Mississippi, my first question was, is there a defense fund or something that I can send some money to? Because we've got to be able to stop this. Now, it could be money, it could be effort, it could be calling some people. Whatever those efforts are that the people on the ground down there are starting to, uh, are starting to implement. But we've got to be involved. Have you heard of any uh, efforts like that? I, he, I asked specifically, did they have any defense funds, things of that nature? He, is, you know, he just gave me an assurance that he thought that they would be able to stop it. Okay, uh, How? I don't know other than the ways that I've, I've outlined, you know, through the courts. And this was a colleague of yours that was 
Yeah, it's, it's a colleague that, that's in Mississippi. Real outstanding. Both attorneys, very outstanding attorneys. And so, uh, and not only that, they're tied in, you know, with the political system in, 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 in Mississippi. Are they Republicans? No, they're not. They're Democrats. Mm. They're Democrats. But they're not black. But they, 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 they're good folks. Oh, well, they're decent folks. See, because if they were black, they would say, we'll pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, the days of us praying about it, man. That, hey, we 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 can't take, you know, we can't we can't just go with we gonna pray. Just about pray it. about it. that'll be it. That just that, no, we can't do it like that. We can't do it. We got to get involved. And the thing is, we talked about this before. Ed, some people are gonna be like, man, that's down in Jackson, Mississippi, man. I ain't got nothing to do with that. I ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, you know, when I first uh, got on uh, WFAA. Inside Texas Politics, my first episode uh, commentary was Texas is Mississippi with oil wells. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I said, after I did that, I said, they will never invite me to come back on here again. Right. <laughs> but they did. They did. They did. But the, the major point was that Texas and Mississippi, there is no difference. Right, right. No, Except no. Texas they, they has may, oil wells. And, and they may be a little less blatant. They try to make it sound like it's like it's okay, but the thing is, is this, and you know it's funny, man, because uh, I tell I I went over and got my hair cut today over at uh, Fluellen's International. Oh, okay. You know my my, my barber yeah, for we, years. We we doing the plugs now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we doing plugs. Well, that's my man. Okay. Right. But there's one thing, and you know how the fellas just sitting in the barber shop and we're talking and stuff. And we started talking about how they're attacking black folks with this wokeism and stuff like that. And somebody may say, yeah, man, they just kind of coming after us right now, right? And I said, well, you know what, man? They coming after us now because we didn't get involved when they were coming after the Muslims. We didn't get involved, and you know, you remember when I said coming after Muslims, right. I'm talking about Trump was trying to keep them out. They shouldn't be coming into the country, this, that, and the other, right. right? Right. We didn't get involved when they started talking about all the folks from Mexico were rapists and murderers, and I guess a few of them are good people, right? A few. A few. And what was happening all across the country, we were seeing these things that Mexicans, Hispanic individuals, were being attacked Go back to Mexico from where you from, all this. People just felt that they could say anything to folks, right? But then what happened? They killed George Floyd. And when they killed George Floyd, black folks, we lost our mind and said, we're going to get out here and we're going to protest about this. And what scared everybody more than anything, we've said it before, was that it just wasn't black folks out there protesting. It was a cross-section of people that were protesting. And that is what has really scared America because they see individuals out there who are not thinking black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or whatever. They're thinking what is right and what is wrong. And that's what's scaring folks. Well, when you were saying earlier, like, um, you don't really know if it's getting better or worse sometimes. I think that's how we know regardless is getting better because it's really easy to pit different people against each other when we're just going by our looks. Mm -hmm. But now we're like in a society where I look beyond the looks. Like I'm looking at, like you said, what's right and what's wrong. And the more united we are as a people, despite our differences, it's going to be harder to contain us. Right. 
So, like, when you say decent folks and awareness, that's a big thing. Like, us as black people, we look for certain words, like, oh, this messed up. They said that. Or when they say we're going to cut down on crime, oh, that means they're coming for us and stuff like that. Right. If I'm a white person, I don't think that. I think there must be danger outside (laughs) that they're saving me from. So you have to talk to, you know, you got to talk to your white friends. You got to talk to your other friends and, like, spread that awareness of what our communities are going through. Well, that's true. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But what I have also outlined is that when they see this cross-section of people that are starting to see right from wrong, mm. what they're doing now with this CRT is that they are going and they are playing to people's fears, not to themselves, mm. but about their children. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when they say, oh, they're trying to indoctrinate your child, right? Mm-hmm. A person who may be, say, like, well, that's not right. But then they look at it and they say, well, that's not right. But wait a minute. I don't want little Johnny, you know, my boy, to be subject to feeling bad. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they try to scare you into saying that the children will be corrupted. And then, of course, everybody wants their progeny to do well and that's yeah. the reason where we're going to leave you guys off right now because we want you to do well and share this out with other people too because we want well we want everyone to understand that the attack on democracy is a never-ending attack because someone in mississippi is drinking the water and it's bad it's you bad. listen to michael j todd <laughs> legal standpoint with michael J. Todd, sponsored by Let's Put That Drop and We're Out. All right. Hi, my name is Gail Todd with Townview Realtors. If you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtodd88 at yahoo.com. With me... It's all about you. Hey, this is Cheryl Smith, and when I'm looking for news and information, I tune in to The Commiss on Saturdays. I got so much trouble on my mind, refuse to lose. Here's your ticket, cause the drummer get wicked. The clue to you to put the back of black attack, so I sack and tap and slap the mac. Now I'm ready to mic it. Men, you've been spending countless hours on YouTube searching for encouragement and empowerment. I want to give you the tool that you need today. OnDemand.com. Go to InTheHuddleOnDemand.com today for the encouragement and empowerment that you've been searching for. You'll get a